a year from now today, uh, we'll all be at the polls. It'll be election day in Vancouver. That's right. We're a year away from the next provincial election. And today, the Angus Reid Institute uh, announced, uh, released a new poll. And more than 40% of those surveyed intend to vote for the BC New Democratic Party in next year's election. Now, the interesting part isn't number one. It's actually two and three. The BC Conservatives are now running in third spot, just behind the BC United, with 21 and 22% uh, each for the party. Uh, that is not something anybody expected a couple of years ago, uh, but certainly the political landscape is changing very quickly here in British Columbia. And two men here are going to try to explain it to me. Keith Baldrick, of course, is Global BC's Legislative Bureau Chief, and Richard Zussman is Global BC's Legislative Reporter. Keith, Richard, welcome. Hi, Jazz. Hey, thanks, Jazz. Uh, all right, let's, uh, Keith, let me go to you first and foremost. This new poll from the Angus Reid Institute, what do you make of it? Well, I think it's important to realize this is like the fourth or fifth consecutive poll in the last few months that basically have all the same results, which is the NDPs in this very lofty era and somewhere in the 40% uh, decided vote level. And then you've got the other two parties, the BC United Party, and now the fledgling um, BC Conservative Party uh, fighting it out for a very distant second place. And this is not just a one snapshot. This has been going, this pattern's been there for a few months now. Before people say, oh, it's just pollsters, you can't trust them. Look at what happened in 2013. I remind people that pollsters have got their act together in the last decade. They called the Alberta election bang on. They called the Manitoba election bang on. The last few federal elections have been exactly correct, as have the BC elections uh, calls by pollsters. So it'd be foolish for detractors of um, of people don't like these numbers to say, oh, it's just a poll. This shows, I think, some very serious problems for the anti-NDP vote, is that it is split, it's weak, it's not very strongly centered, and the NDP seems to have a bit of a Teflon quality to it, because this poll, again, is just the latest, in a, and what's been going on for a couple of years now is that people cite the top three issues, cost of living, health care, and housing, and they give the NDP failing grades, big failing grades on all three. They're handling of all three, yet it doesn't move the needle when it comes to voter intent. And that's got to be very frustrating for the opposition. Uh, Richard, uh, in the, in this case, um, when you have the B.C. Conservatives and uh, B.C. United neck and neck, are we on the verge of the free enterprise movement just imploding? Or do you think this is, look, it's in between election days. There's lots of time for B.C. United to, to get back. Or do you think right now they should be worried? There is some voter confusion here, Jazz. What's unclear is how much and whether the trend lines will continue to change. People understand what conservative means, and Pierre Polyev is soaring in the polls, and that has a runoff effect here for the BC Conservatives. But BC United has a lot of work to do to explain to people who they are, what they stand for, develop that brand, and then sell people on the idea that they are the one that can fix these problems. We know that they're worried. Kevin Falcon publicly talks about how, you know, the Conservatives are a fad, uh, they, voters are confused, but behind the scenes, our understanding is they are struggling to raise money, uh, they are struggling uh, to convince candidates to run for them next year, although they have named some candidates, they're still having a hard time filling the gap on some of these swing ridings. So it's going to be a serious uphill battle for BC United as Kevin Falcon tries to mount this charge 
uh, over the next year. Uh, Keith, in regards to what uh, Richard is saying now, I remember when I worked for the LNG industry, and and you know, I, we when I was there, that you know, I, was, I had responsible for six figure ad buys, and in one case, a seven figure ad buy uh, province wide. And you know, that took first of all polling and research to decide what your messaging was going to be like. So that takes time and money, but more importantly, you have time. And we're a year away from an election, number one, uh, and, and number two, uh, advertising and you know, brand management and building a brand takes money as well. Do they have that time to, to, to remind people that, look, they used to be the BC Liberals, they're now BC United? Do you think they have the time and the money to actually accomplish sort of this um, brand management and brand change? Well, they don't have a year because a year is when the next election would be. The campaign begins 11 months from now. Uh, that's if the election is actually in the fall and not the spring. <clears throat> and it takes, as you know, it takes time to rebrand something, particularly when you jettison the old brand in its entirety. So uh, the classic business model is to rebrand by hanging on to the old brand, attach it to the new brand, and get that, Im- that, that impression in, in front of people, your customers, that the, the new brand is basically the old brand with a new name. And what the BC United has done is completely gotten rid of the old brand, which served them well, winning them a number of elections, and as if it's, it never existed, and then put this new brand in place. 11 months from now is when the campaign begins. I don't think they've got 11 months to do this. I think it's going to take longer than that to really have an effective brand. Kevin Falcon keeps saying there's going to be a big ad campaign. Just you wait. There's been no evidence that's happening. And as Richard just said, they are having trouble raising money. I think a lot of the business community is taking a look right now and saying, you know what, it looks like it's pretty good odds that David Eby and his uh, his party is going to remain the government for four more years. So what is the point in us writing a check or even helping, albeit by smaller amounts because the rules have changed, by giving you guys money? And it seems that the business community increasingly may be betting on David Eby rather than on Kevin Falcon and John Rustad. And that, again, bad news for the opposition. You're speaking to Keith Baldry and Richard Zussman from Global Television's Victoria Bureau. We're talking about a new poll from the Angus Reid Institute that puts the NDP at 40% support. Uh, the Conservatives are running, the BC Conservatives are running third at uh, 21% and BC United uh, is at 22%. So uh, certainly neck and neck for number two and Three, uh, Richard. Let me go to you for a second here. You know, we're in these situations. Obviously, the government pushes back on who they believe will be their main opponent heading into an election. In this case, if you're David Eby and the NDP, do you spend time focusing on Kevin Falcon, or do you start now looking at uh, John Rustad as your main opponent? Yeah, so you've seen some of these attacks on John Rustad and and how David Eby is described in the past. And I spoke to him this week. The full interview will air tomorrow on Focus BC. We talked about this issue that he has raised in terms of the culture wars and, as he described it, the race to the bottom. I think he is respectful of all his political opponents. But the reality is someone who is going to vote for the Conservative Party of BC is likely not considering the NDP, whereas if somebody in suburban Vancouver who's considering BC United probably is also considering the BC NDP. So in that regard, he may see his chief opponent as Kevin Falcon and BC United. So I, I think that's likely where he looks at it. There is some concern from the NDP about this emergence of populism, but when you're talking about these core issues of affordability, healthcare, public safety, his chief opponent continues to be BC United. But I think his, his real chief opponent, Jazz, is in essence himself, right? He needs to prove to British Columbians that he can be Premier on his own, not under the legacy of John Horgan. And it's 
convincing voters of that that will be his test for the election rather than being better than John Rustad or Kevin Falcon. Uh, Keith, uh, in regards to um, what Richard is saying, uh, but also in regards to what the, the BC Conservatives and where they're at, um, you know, uh, David Eby does have to prove he's his own man, he's got his own policies. Um, but at the same time, you know, he, I'm sure he would love the help from Conservatives to siphon off some of those BC United votes. Do you expect the Conservatives to have a full slate of candidates or is it going to be focused on 10 or 15 ridings? Well, it's going to be 93 varieties next time, which is a lot. Of, that's, that's a lot of candidate recruitment. I mean, it is hard even for the existing parties to find 93 existing uh, credible candidates because we're adding six seats. So I don't really expect other conservatives to have a full slate. But, you know, Rustad told me some months ago, this is before they surged in the polls, he thought they'd be competitive and perhaps winning in 15 ridings. And I don't, you know... Will they run out a candidate in Vancouver Kingsway or Vancouver Mount Pleasant? I don't see what the point of that is, quite frankly. I mean, those are NDP heartlands or uh, even in Kelowna, which is, you know, very traditional stronghold for BC United or their predecessors, the Liberals or the Socrates. But I don't think he has to run a full slate to have a, a huge impact on the campaign. Where he'll be running candidates are in seats where he thinks he can win. And those are the seats that the BC United currently hold. I don't think he thinks he can pick up a bunch of NDP seats. I think he thinks he can pick up some BC United seats because they're fighting over the same pool of voters, by and large. And all it takes is a bit of a split, and that would either give the NDP the riding or uh, allow it to tilt into the, um, the conservative uh, win column. And you know, your question, Rich, is very interesting because I've had just, just beginning is the debate within the NDP uh, higher-ups about exactly this point. At what point do we train our focus on the B.C. Conservatives and not so much the B.C. United? One thing they're concerned about, one of the lessons from the 1991 election is public opinion moved very quickly. Uh, the the non-NDP vote moved very quickly from one party to another party in an election campaign, away from the Social Credit Party to the B.C. Liberal Party. You know, hundreds of thousands of people literally in a space of a few weeks switched their votes. Now we're a year out, potentially, so it's a longer time frame. But they're going to keep an eye on the polls. And if the Conservatives start to outdistance themselves from the from the BC United Party, if we get to a, a 30% to 20% split with the Conservatives, then the NDP, I think, will train their sights on the Conservatives and start not ignore the BC United, but not make them their number one priority when it comes to uh, framing their opponents. Keith, you raise a very good point, and Richard, you've mentioned it as well, that people aren't generally happy with the NDP's performance when it comes to some of these core issues of health care, uh, cost of living, and housing affordability. In fact, one would argue the fact that they're not happy, they're probably looking for an alternative, but they don't see one in this particular point. Um, and, you know, moving forward, if that's the case, and these polling numbers hold to the next provincial election, you know, the, the, the math in this province has always been the federal liberals and federal conservatives have to be together, and they, when they form a coalition, they win generally two-thirds out of the time. That's generally been the math in the last 60, 65 years in this, in this province. Now, you know, we have polarization and those types of things. Um, but let's just say they, it stays. Uh, how do you put Humpty Dumpty back together again if the NDP win the next election? How do you put together that free enterprise coalition again? Because it doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. Well, yeah, both sides. A charismatic, a charismatic radio host, maybe. You know one? I'm trying to think of one. Huh. Nothing here, <laughs> folks. Nothing here. Nothing well, you here. know, it's gonna, 
it's going to have to someone, a coalition by its definition means ignoring the extremes, yeah. ignoring the fringes. It has to tack to, towards the middle, middle right, not the middle left, but the middle right, the centrist right. And Rustad is not there. The conservatives are attacking hard right. They're following, pure, they're following Mad Max Bernier and the People's Party lead here. Um, but that is taking enough votes potentially away from United to fracture that coalition. So I'm not sure there is a recipe to put it back together. Our demographics are changing so mm-hmm. fast. The NDP is a coalition of sorts. It's unionists, it's environmentalists, it's social activists. There's always the potential that that coalition could break apart in the years ahead. So I think we're in for some very rocky times right around the world, in the United States, in Europe, and in B.C., and federally when it comes to electoral politics. There seems to be some technonic plates shifting out there, the likes we haven't seen in generations. Yeah, Keith, Richard, thanks for your time today. Have yourself a wonderful evening. Take care. Yeah, thanks, Chaz. You too.